Welcome to another episode of CX Talks. Hello everyone, I'm here today with Moray, one of our senior consultants here at Clarisys. And today we're going to talk about an interesting report by the RADA Business Research Vision, which is called Thinking on Your Feet, the Art of Improvisation in the Workplace. Moray, what, what, sort of, what are the key themes of the article uh, and how, why is that interesting in terms of customer experience and customer service, do you think? I think from a main perspective, there are kind of two or three main things that jumped out to me. The first is that if people can't think on their feet, if they can't be creative or improvise quickly, in some industries, you know, customers can be very frustrated if, for example, a customer representative cannot solve the issue quickly or think on their feet. I think nowadays, I think everyone would agree, we live in a much more complex and interrelated world, which means that we try to create different manuals and guidelines to help representatives deal with this new complexity. But ironically, what that can cause as well is almost an over-reliance on these manuals, so that if you have a decision tree of how to solve someone's problems and this new thing comes up which wasn't on, on a decision tree, the first reaction of these people could be panic, right? And if you don't know how to solve that one new thing which you hadn't thought about before and empowered to actually go and solve it, you're not going to solve it, which ultimately makes the customer unhappy as well. Yeah, cause it, so I think there's a couple of things to pull out there. One is, let's say a customer calls a contact center, which is kind of sort of the scenario you're alluding to here, and customer service agent says, oh, I'm very sorry to hear that, sir, madam. Let me just take a look at that for you. Well, I'm afraid there's not going to be anything I can do about that right now. It's very frustrating for you. And I think, as you said, it, it brings an element of like, why have I bothered to phone if it can't be fixed? So very frustrating. And I, I think probably a couple of reasons for that are, Either the service agent is not empowered or allowed or doesn't have the rules in which to do anything outside of the box. So, so that's a bit of a problem. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. And then the, the second thing would be maybe they are allowed some sort of uh, flexibility, but they haven't been trained or conditioned in order to be able to do anything about that. So they don't know how. And that's where, as you said, I think they feel a bit scared and, oh, God, what am I going to do? The kind of fright or flight instant instinct really kicks in. So, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about the psychological kind of safety one first and about kind of some of the rules. We, we were talking before you had an interesting viewpoint about the difference between a guide, like a fixed manual, and maybe a little bit more flexibility. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, if you have a very clear guidebook, the problem with guides is as soon as you write them, they're very much out of date, right? Because something new can happen and it's completely out of date. So And also the amount of effort you would need to invest to keep it up to date and constantly retrain people is very time-consuming, very expensive. So the question to solve then is around not ability but desire, right? So if you want to help people solve it and have a timeless manual, the only way you can really have a timeless manual is if you have some kind of timeless guidance as well. Uh, the timeless guidance are two things that come to mind, which also get applied in kind of scaled agile frameworks, is around having more principles and guardrails. So an example would be, instead of saying, if customer has X problem, give Y solution, which would be a very kind of fixed thing, Instead, it could be a principle of only apologize once, involve the customer in your decision-making and thought process, and give them options in your solution. And then maybe the, the guardrail is you're allowed to solve any problem up to 500 pounds, as an example, right? So that allows and empowers the person not only to respond to any kind of new scenarios, but it also gives them the kind of 
I think this is what you alluded to earlier around the kind of psychological safety of saying they can do anything within this realm. You know, having that, I wouldn't say fixed scope, but they have clarity on what they're allowed and not allowed to do. But within what they're allowed to do, the how is up to them. And I think a lot of people in call centers are commonly monitored on how quickly they pick up the phones, how quickly they get the customer off the phones. And I think if there was more emphasis on wowing the customer kind of the satisfaction scores and really solving actually solving the issue rather than just closing the case then again that would build kind of more of a culture and a behavior of solving the problem and really wowing the customer the other kind of point here of what about that fear factor of oh how do i actually solve for the customer have you got any experiences of how we would advise people handle those more improvised situations which people aren't prepared for do you think in my experience, the, the thing which creates true empathy and allows a person to o- almost disarm the person who has all the kind of feelings, all the frustration, is to think out loud. I think thinking out loud is a, is a great thing because if, for example, you know, let's say your washing machine is broken, <laughs> you call me up, and if I just go into quiet mode for five minutes and then say, sorry, there's nothing I can do, you'd probably be in- incredibly frustrated throughout the entire silence. Whereas if I say, if I ask you questions and then say, okay, it looks like you have this kind of machine, it has this kind of problem, there are three different fixes we can apply based on your priority and timelines, what would you like? So involving the person in your thought process and giving options does not only show the person that you are really thinking about them, putting yourself into their shoes and trying to solve it, but it also allows the person who comes with a problem to make a decision on the options you provide. So it's not, you have a problem, I give you a solution, or I don't give you a solution, it's about you have this problem, from my experience, it looks like you have these needs, which means you have these kinds of options. How would you like to proceed? So the customer is always in charge and is being guided through by the contact representative. Yeah, and I think we were talking about this previously. Having kind of the guardrails rather than the guidelines also means you're not used to saying the scripts, so you already have a bit of flexibility. So I think that conversation is quite good because, again, like the guardrails, it gives you like a structure but it allows you to show some personality and say what you would do. And I, I think in a lot of call centers, maybe they're changing now to have a bit of personality because it's not just you as a robot behind the phone saying your script. It's a bit like, oh, I actually was in a very similar situation myself the other day with my like five-year-old son. It's really interesting to hear. Like Showing some personality is certainly a good thing. I think a lot of call centers are moving more towards those lines. You know, Some people kind of make up fake names for themselves and, and try and do it, but it's the genuineness that really enables you to connect as well. So, No, I would definitely agree with that. I think what you see as well is also it's like changes in incentivization and the monitoring, so all the kind of the MI, the, the management information, and the KPIs that you use. I think there's a kind of switch in, in some sectors there as well. So what you said earlier around SLAs around closing a call within, say, eight minutes or so. Few organizations have a single view of the customer and can say, oh, this person called in eight times beforehand in the last 24 hours, but if I close this in five minutes, that's a success, right? Which, which obviously it isn't. So actually having more powerful metrics around recognizing those people and looking at more of like a customer lifecycle experience as opposed to a single call KPI that comes in. And that's definitely advisable, especially for organizations where you have lots of different touch points across different channels, but you know, a single customer that can interact across those different ones. Yeah, and I think something which sits around this kind of whole wrapper of all of this stuff is also setting up more of a customer-centered culture from the start. Like you're in a administrative, very process-driven role in the customer contact center. But of course, you're the face of the organization. So much more focus on the training of that sort of front will also enable them to be kind of a bit more empowered and, and less fixed to the guides. 
Yeah, and that ultimately motivates people as well, right? So, you know, we briefly talked about if the customer service representative is not empowered, does not have the structure and the ability and the desire to help, the customer is going to be annoyed and frustrated. The actual customer um, service representative will feel demotivated and frustrated as well and feel helpless because their purpose is to help and solve people's problems. If they can't do that, that must be incredibly frustrating for them as well. And this is then the kind of stuff that leads to higher churn, not only from a customer perspective, but also from your employee perspective, all of which ultimately impacts the business, right? Because if you have high churn from your customers and your employees, you can have bad customer experience. Ultimately, the knowledge of your uh, frontline employees, that's disappearing as well. And then you kind of get into this vicious cycle of constantly onboarding new, not well-prepared customer representatives to deal with already angered customers. Mm. High acquisition costs, high employment costs. Very much so. And obviously the cost of maintaining an existing relationship is significantly cheaper than trying to acquire a new one. Absolutely. There's a kind of more general point here around generally in a world today, I think it's, it's much harder to have that more kind of personalized kind of seeking a connection. Like we're, we're all on our phones and we're, we're talking less and maybe like it's a bit more unnatural than it was when people would be kind of very friendly and talking to each other in the streets, particularly in cities such as London here where people spend less time trying to make personal collections. So I think you brought up this point that actually that's a big challenge now of how to be natural empathetic and improvise it's going to take some serious effort from companies to focus their staff on those sort of training courses rather than something that comes naturally to to people yeah very true i think the themes the kind of the two main things around and kind of improvisation which is thinking on your feet but also creativity and i think what you see nowadays more and more is you know lots of structure and governance around creativity we almost have to force ourselves to be creative and think about you know crazy six and all these things that you can do to try Sorry, and did you say crazy six crazy six and crazy eights you know these like different examples where you can come up with solutions <laughs> okay very good <laughs> examples of that for example is uh, instead of overthinking a solution you fold a paper a couple of times until you have you know six or eight boxes and then you time box it to a minute and say right draw out six or eight ways in which this problem could be solved so the time box and pressure is a unnatural way of how you have to be creative oh very good that does sound crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good example of applying a lot of structure and unnatural tension to try and be creative. You know, you mentioned this in the kind of people being on tubes, always brains being simulated. So there's definitely like a, a trend as well and people constantly seeking instant gratification, always being simulated. You rarely see someone just looking out the window on the tube is bored, like everyone is on their phone or doing something. When your brain is stimulated, your brain is much less likely to create new connections to actually be creative. You know, sometimes the times when we're most creative is actually if we do nothing. So just look out the window and just let our mind wander. I can't even imagine doing that in this day and age. It's very difficult too, isn't it? So many distractions. Yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, so one one interesting book I read as well, and this was uh, around elastic thinking. I don't remember too much from the book, but the one thing that really stuck with me was next time you just look out the window and think you're procrastinating, don't feel bad. You're being productive. Because actually you're allowing your brain to create new connections and be creative. That's why... You know, you actually, you're much less creative if you, say, watch a movie than if you were to just look out the window because your brain is constantly trying to absorb new information. And as a result, um, it almost blocks those new connections that can be made. So that's like, I think, probably a a topic for another time as well to look at the social influences of um, technology on how it um, may hinder creativity. But there's definitely something around the over-reliance on the technology, which means that we have to apply those structures, you know, crazy six, crazy eight, those kinds of things to try and be more creative. Okay, okay and ultimately in the context of our kind of customer experience, customer service, we're saying it makes it a little bit harder to, to improvise more because people are less 
used to create that sort of creative thing. So thank you for listening to myself, Murray, here talking about the RADA business report on thinking on your feet. So a takeaway for you and your organizations on how to ensure that your employees and uh, customer-facing staff are considering the flexibility and empathy in how they solve your customer problems. And in order to do that, have the ability to improvise and think on their feet within the kind of guardrails that you set for them. And we look forward to you listening to us again in another episode of Clarissa's CX Talks. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners, for listening, and we look forward to welcoming you on another episode of CX Talks.